When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to the call-up. We have another farm system breakdown, this time one that we'd probably need several episodes to properly, properly do it justice. But we're going to try to do it not only in one episode, but in one hour and change. Jack McMullen, Aram Layton here. I know you've been excited for this one, Jack. So I have been as well. Took me way longer to write it than I thought it would. Not surprising because there was about 20 honorable mentions or just missed, but Jack, here's the day we've been waiting for for a little bit. I feel like we're going to say that about a few different systems, though. Yeah, but for me, I I think the Guardians sit on like this unmet throne internally. Mm-hmm. I mean, I oh, I know why. So I've seen them at every stop. I love what they do. Um, I've seen them at every stop, and it's just so much fun with how deep they are. Like one through nine in the AAA and AA lineup are intriguing prospects. Yeah. And usually, you know, like no offense to the nine hitter for the Akron rubber ducks, but that should typically be a throwaway guy. Like that should be a guy that it's, a, it's an organizational guy. It's an org guy, but yeah. that's not the case with this organization, man. I mean, like I saw Columbus at the end of the year, the Indians went to Columbus, Indianapolis went to Columbus um, for the final three games of the 2022 season And I mean, I saw like the best minor league lineup that I have ever seen. And I've been in minor league baseball now for, uh, I want to say, four years. So like, it's just incredible what they run out. The pitching is deep. The bats are deep. Yes, they've got top end talent. They've got several top 100 guys in this organization. But what I believe makes them the best organization in baseball is just how stupidly deep this org goes. And, and I know the other reason why I think you love this farm system so much is that is their philosophy, right? They, they go for the most part. There's there's always going to be prospects that that you like so much that they stray you from your philosophy. The Guardians have those guys. You could you could argue that to a degree. Daniel Espino, quote unquote, strays from their general philosophy. Generational you know talent is in the in the tank there. But they like the college guys that throw strikes that are polished, which is Jack McMullen baseball 101 um and we're going to talk about a lot of those types of guys but then also on the on the offensive side they kind of hit a lot of things that i like to look for almost a little too far 
<laughs> so I think no. sometimes, but they a lot of hit tool over the other tools kind of uh, approach to their prospects. But, um, you know, the other thing that I think they do a really good job of, which which you'll see, there might be some times where we feel like we're a bit repetitive. And it's because they, there's a very uh, committed approach here to looking for the uh, certain types of prospects. The other thing that they do really well on top of the hit tool is prospects that have really good makeup and and really good instincts you know whether it's bloodlines because they were raised around the game or just players that have that knack for knowing the game and you look at francisco Lindor with the mets and you know how he's got pitch calm in his ear and everything and like those are the kind of guys they're looking for the guys that'll position themselves well that that kind of anticipate the next play and also that just know the game inside and out and uh, that'll be a trend with a lot of the prospects we talk about yeah, I was trying to think of a of a fluffy and high level way of saying this, but they look for guys that take care of their shit. They yep. they look for guys that show up, that do their work, that leave and want to put out the best possible product that they can. And guys and I, and I've heard firsthand stories about this, you know, guys that don't take care of their shit and guys that need to be babied along get left behind because of how deep this organization is. So the guys that are in the upper levels of minor league baseball in the Cleveland Guardians organization are all tireless workers and they are committed to being their best. And that's why I think Cleveland has been so good for so long because, hey, when when Kluber's done with his reign, Shane Bieber comes up and then Tristan McKenzie comes up. And now we're looking at Gavin Williams and Daniel Espino and Tanner Burns and Logan Allen on the mound, it's and the even thing. Clevenger, right? I mean, like you know, Clevenger and what he was able to 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 get them in a trade, but that's another guy that, that they've really were able to to get more out of as well. So it, it's just it just seems like they're always reloading. And the last thing I'll say before we jump into the honorable mentions is, you know, I feel like there's enough variance in baseball as is. So if you can try to satisfy, you know, or try to hedge some of the external risks, which is you know like makeup, work ethic, um, and, and of course, you know, hedging risks with finding strike throwers and things like that. Uh, you put yourself in a high high rate of success and higher conversion rate with your prospects, and that's exactly what we've seen with the Guardians. So perfect example, guys that aren't on this list anymore, Stephen Kwan and Will Benson, the only two things they have in common are good makeup and they play the outfield. That is yep. it. And yep. those two have both found success in the Cleveland Guardians organization. Absolutely. So let's hop into it. Let's go right into these honorable mentions. We'll go down and then up and then just continue to go from there. As always, Jack, you'll chime in. I know there'll be a, a, a few guys that you'll be excited to talk about who you've seen. But Jack Leftwich, uh, three-pitch mix. I actually really was impressed with him last year. He pitched very well through low A, high A. Would have liked to see him get challenged a little bit more with double A, but this was a classic, I think, log jam, um, you know, where he wasn't able to get up to double A because I don't even know if there was a spot for him, right? Uh, the rotation, the, the the pitching depth chart through the organization is so ridiculous. Leftwich had to just keep pitching in high A, but he took care of his business, used all three pitches that I think are all at least average. And uh, with a good command, I think he could be a back end of the rotation starter. Doug Nikhazy, I know you're going to talk about him. You saw him more than I did. So I'll kind of let you circle back on him in a minute. But really good stuff. Command issues. Excited to hear what you have to say there. Jake Fox, contact machine with good wheels. They, They signed him away from a UF commitment with about 150,000, geez, I can't speak, $850,000 signing bonus in the third round. He really just put the ball in play, sprayed it all over, played center field, played second base, uh, did a little bit of everything last year. And I think he, he showed pretty well as a kid right out of high school. 
Tanner Burns hasn't quite been the guy that I think a lot of people were hoping. He was the 36th overall pick in the 2020 draft. Usually when the Guardians take an armor in that range, you expect them to kind of you know, hit the ground running. He's been all right, uh, but, you know, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more. Fastball has good shape and gets a decent amount of whiffs, but he, he really needs something beyond a, a decent slider uh, to, to really build out a, a good arsenal. Jason Chorio, brother of Jackson Chorio, $1.2 million international free agent. Another guy that scouts really liked how advanced he was. So it makes sense that that's the guy that the Guardians wanted to shell out some more money for. And of course, you know, has some bloodlines there. Parker Messick, I really like. I know you love that pick too, Jack. Left-handed pitcher, 54th overall selection. He fits the bill perfectly for them. Messick, lefty, throw strikes, 90-92, good shape to it. Can touch 94. Change up is already there. Flash is plus and the command is good. Breaking balls aren't quite there. I'll, I'll bet on him finding a breaking ball. The fact that you have a guy that already has a plus changeup and throw strikes, usually pretty good from the left side. Jose Tana, somebody I know you saw plenty of. Uh, you know, ceiling's a bit limited, puts bat on ball. I think he's got at least average power in there, though, that he's continuing to grow into. Can play second base, can play second base, can get by at shortstop. Uh, he, he could be a nice little player there, and he's been able to usually play and hold his own against higher end competition. And then, of course, Xavier Curry, who we've talked about a lot. He got a taste of the big leagues last year. You know, the stuff is going to limit him probably to being more of a, a five starter. But 20 inches of induced vertical break on his fastball is elite. Uh, the breaking balls are pretty good. If he can just find a way to, you know, locate those breaking balls a bit more, try to get some more strikeouts. And I think he, he could use maybe another pitch that, you know, maybe another fastball at the bottom of the zone, something that's a weak contact inducer. So he doesn't have to put as much pressure on getting whiffs. With his, you know, decent stuff, I think he'd be in really good shape, but the fastball gives him a really good baseline. All right. Yeah. Other than me not being able to say $850,000, Jack, where do you want to fill in? Say it three times fast. Um, I'm going to work. <laughs> uh, I'm going to work bottom up if you guys are following along on justbaseball.com or YouTube. And I'm not going to fill in on Leftwich. You did a great job with Leftwich. Nikhazy, uh, one time I saw him in person, he took a no hitter into the seventh of a seven inning game. Wow. It was game one of a doubleheader. And yes, he does have command issues at points. But what I will say is um, over the top arm slot, with a pair of good breaking balls, the fastball curveball from an over the top lefty, especially like on the shorter side that the KZ is, that can really play. And the fastball stays on a clothesline. The curveball snaps off. Think of um, the Kmart version of Karen Chak's two pitch mix. And that's kind of what Nikhazy is pumping out right now. And I think that can be really effective. And he kind of bucks the trend, right? He's not the pitchability guy. He is the rack up the K's guy and hope that the command comes. And Casey yeah. feels very much like what they were hoping for with Tristan McKenzie, right? Um, Jake Fox, real quick, this guy is like commitment to the bit if I've ever seen it. Like doesn't strike out. The Guardians are like, yes, perfect. Bat to ball yeah. college guy, we got him. Um, Tanner Burns and Xavier Curry are very similar in my eyes. Um, they are righties with middling fastball velocity but great fastball shape. And, you know, you think, oh, on their best day, like they could be a two or a three. No, but they have a really good chance to be a four or a five in a major league rotation for a lot of years. And then Parker Messick, um, that arm slot, like it's almost a low three quarters and he sweeps across his body. It feels so conducive to fastball change up slider. Does it not? No, which is which is what I love, because that's like that, that's. 
the Trevor Rogers MO of why his fastball changeup when he was on, you know, was so devastating. Trying to differentiate riding fastball from, you know, just diving changeup, fading changeup from that slot is a nightmare for hitters either side of the plate. And then you don't need a, a, an elite breaking ball. Decent. And and Messi could be a guy that's flying up this system. Right. It's a taste breaker, man. And I, I think that he could honestly, like when things are clicking, it could look more like blitz ball than most pitchers in baseball, what, yeah. what he's doing. And then Tana, you're right, limited ceiling. But from what I've heard from talking to guys in the Guardian system, I mean, the makeup is off the freaking charts. Yeah. So I, I will bank on that guy to make the major leagues with that ability paired with that makeup. Absolutely. And and that's a guy that, you know, I'm I'm surprised he strikes out a little bit more than you'd think, but it's mostly approach oriented. I don't think it's 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 bat to ball oriented. And you know, when you hear things about the makeup and, and everything, you you figure guardians sit down with him, go over some of the things that he needs to adjust with his approach, really high chase rates. And and if he reins that in a little bit, I mean we're talking about a guy that, you know, could be a, a pretty low strikeout guy, pretty high walk out walk guy, and just put the ball in play pretty consistently. And uh, that that's a good utility piece for for all the different positions he can play. Yeah. So we'll do the next five prospects and then we get into the top 10. So we'll go bottom up, actually. Yeah. Jackensie Noel is someone I've talked about on this on this podcast for a minute. Um, some of the best power you're going to find in the minor leagues. Max exit velo over 116 miles an hour. 90th percentile exit velo of 108. Those are both elite. Guy absolutely crushes baseballs, was in the conversation for, you know, the home run champ in the minor leagues. And you know what? You'd expect him to strike out a little bit more. He honestly got better and better with that as the year went on. He's probably going to be limited to first base DH. You could throw him in the outfield in an absolute emergency. I'd rather not. Um, And they're going to still try him out there as long as they can. But I think he's going to slow down a little bit. But, man, this guy can really mash. And I think where he's at at 21 years old to to not be striking out 33, 34% of the time for how big he is and how aggressive he is is a sign that I think he, he can hit enough. Don't care that he's limited defensively. Don't yeah, care. He's baby all. poppy right now. I mean, the, yeah. the, the homer ability and the slug in this guy's bat is so stupidly insane. And they just signed Josh Bell for two years to be the first baseman. Um, young Kenzie Noel is going to debut in AAA. This mm-hmm. year, he got a brief taste in AAA at the end of 22. I think he'll spend the entire year in AAA this year. Uh, if he doesn't, I think it's because of injury. But I, I think this is a guy where you slowly work him into the big league lineup, maybe year two of that two-year deal for Bell. Uh, I almost view Josh Bell as like the bridge to young Kenzie Noel at first base. Yeah, and, and it's really just about will Noel keep the strikeouts in check? And, you know, the one thing that really, really looks like uh, I think is, is is a great sign is when you look at what he did in high A and then what he did in double A. And this is in the same season, 2022, 32% strikeout rate, 7% walk rate in 62 high A games. He gets bumped up to double. That walk rate jumps to 11%. That strikeout rate drops to 23%. And he still put together, you know, a good amount of power there. Home runs tapered off slightly. That's to be expected against better competition, but still hit 13 home runs in 67 games. So whenever you see that strikeout rate drop for a youngster who's 20 years old going up to double A, that's usually a pretty good sign. And it, it seemed like his approach started to get more and more ironed out. Really excited to see how he does in triple A. He could force his way up there sooner rather than later. Next up, Justin Campbell. 
two-way player from Oklahoma State for his first two seasons and then made the full-time transition to the mound. And I, I really like Campbell. It, and, and obviously the Guardians do too. They took him 37th overall in the 2022 draft. And this is a six-foot-seven guy that really only shifted his focus to the mound that final season. And the command is ridiculous because he's such a good athlete. And when you have a six-seven guy with great command that only walks 25 and 101 and a third's innings, uh, you got something to, to build on here. And, you know, I think it's pretty safe to bet that a guy with a 6'7", 220-pound frame is going to grow into more velocity because that was the only thing that really kept him out of the early first round, I think, was, you know, hey, he's more in the low 90s. But I don't think I'm very worried about that. And also, guess what his best pitch is already as an out pitch? Change up. So fits the bill. And you got a 6'7 kid that throws strikes and already has a change up. Uh, I, I think it's going to come along for him. This is one of the breakout prospects, I think, to really watch here. Yeah, so I don't I don't know much about Campbell at all, but just looking at what he did his sophomore and junior year at Oklahoma State on the mound, like this is the kind of guy that I feel like I could fall in love with very quickly. Um, and I also feel like he could climb very quickly, right? Absolutely. And, and I, I'm just almost daydreaming about what kind of velo he could grow into here, right? Like no, he's no, already he's got the massive human, now. yeah. And he's an athlete, right? He was playing other positions. So this is a name to really watch. And in, in, in true Guardians fashion, they could turn this guy into a stud if he continues on on his trajectory. And uh, again, he hasn't really just focused on pitching very much uh, in the last until the last year or so. Gabriel Arias is a guy that played first base in the postseason, um, which is pretty crazy because he he literally reached triple A as a 21 year old last year. And look, he took a step back last year. No doubt about it. Um, after reaching AAA and having that great year, uh, repeated that level and just struggled a bit. I will say, though, he he dealt with a wrist injury, hand injury, and I really think that impacted him last season because you look at what he did the year before, consistently hitting, just, just hitting for power, doing a little bit of everything. It, it just seemed bizarre for a second taste after a really, really good, solid and large sample size in AAA to take that step back. I think the hand was bothering him. I think he was pressing a little bit, being up and down. Uh, I still think this guy can play. He's young. He hits the ball really hard. And that was something that surprised me too. You'll get 90th percentile exit velo. It's among the higher in the organization. He's a great shortstop, can play all over. This is somebody that I think is is kind of getting uh, – Overlooked a little too quickly. It seems to happen when you go up to the big leagues and don't show out right away. Um, I think like Lenin Sosa with the White Sox is always a classic example. Most excited guy in the system. We're all pumped about him. Goes up and, and struggles after getting forced up there. And now like people aren't even talking about him. I think Arias is a little bit of that. And even in that disappointing season, 716 OPS and in AAA is, is not bad. Um, I think he's going to bounce back in a big way this year. Yeah. Yeah. Um- it's just impossible to call a guy that's going to be 23 on opening day and a very young 23 over the hill. And I feel like that's what we're talking about with Gabriel Arias right now. You know what I mean? Like it feels like the narrative has already changed a couple of ways on Arias, but that's because he was so far along so early in his baseball life. And I mean, this guy has a lot of time. He's going to figure it out. I do think that he's a surplus. I think that if they do, idea spot where they want to get better Arias should be one of the first to go that that's fair and and I think that's that's understandable because of his variance um yeah what's wild is 108.4 mile per hour 90th percentile exit velocity I did not expect that kind of juice no I mean Arias I mean that's like that's plus that's plus juice problem is 
54% ground ball rate. So, right. you know, it, this is a guy that, that has 25, 30 home run tank. If he can really, really connect it all. I don't know if he's, if he's going to do it. Um, there's a little bit of whiff involved there, but um, yeah, this, this is a guy that definitely is intriguing. And I think there's a lot of teams that could use somebody like him super utility floor. I still think, um, oh, yeah. you know, or, or at least utility floor in, in some capacity. Yeah. I mean, another thing about Arias, like he's, so he's listed at six one two twenty. He looks a lot smaller than that, which is really weird, right? Like it doesn't look it's like a rarity. He, he doesn't look like he's a thick cut, um, you know, 220 pound shortstop. He doesn't look like that at all. No, he, and he moves well. Uh, max exit velo last year of 114. I mean, this yeah. guy can really hit the ball hard. Yeah. Um, so really intriguing prospect there still. And I think they're still hoping that that something can click for him. Joey Cantillo, man, I, I really like this guy if he can stay healthy. I mean, he missed most of the 2021 season with an oblique injury, then came out and dominated as a, as a left-handed pitcher for them in double in A last year. 60 and two-thirds innings, pitched to a 1.93 ERA, struck out nearly or 35.5% of batters. His fastball, classic, right? 20 inches of induced vertical break. And he has, guess what? A really good changeup, and those two pitches were, were a problem. But he already mixes in a good third offering uh, with the slider, and I mean, the stuff is just really hard to deny. The command was a little bit inconsistent, and then he ended up getting shut down with a shoulder injury. And you know, we know injuries have kind of plagued Cantillo a little bit. But man, this guy can really, really pitch, and and I, if he can stay healthy, he might be have as much upside pitcher wise, other than Campbell, of anybody in this system. I just hope he can stay healthy. Dude, when he's on the hill, I mean, like his two stops since the start of the 2019 season that he's truly like been on the hill consistently at low A in the Padres system before the Clevenger deal in 2019. He had a one nine three ERA in 19 starts in 14 appearances this year. He had a one nine three ERA. So he's a sub two ERA guy when he's on the mound. Exactly. But like. Exactly what you're saying. The question is, will he be on the mound enough? Um, you hope that, you know, the the stockpiling injuries are behind him now. Um, but if it becomes a, a true trend and he can't bucket, um, then then we're talking about like a what if prospect. I really hope we're not talking about a what if prospect. You know, and we talked to, you know, Tanner Bybee. He came on the podcast who we're going to talk about here a little bit later because of how high up he is. And he said Cantillo is one of the grossest guys in the system. He's and awesome. and you look you look at the his outings. I mean, he he had some lights out outings. And again, like you said, he's, he's really carved at every stop. And to, to miss pretty much all of 2021, go straight to double and just carve it is a testament to how nasty he is. Of course, yeah, there, there's a lot of risk here with the injuries and the command issues, which is what holds him out of the top 10. But man, this guy can really pitch. Uh Last guy, and then we'll get into the top 10. Higher floor guy and a guy that I'm expecting to make a pretty big impact at the big league level this year is Cody Morris. Uh, he's older, 26 years old. Shoulder injury delayed the start of his season. Otherwise, he would have graduated from, from prospect standing. Uh, but, man, when he came back from that shoulder injury, he struck out 30 AAA hitters in 15 and a thirds innings. Uh, and then he goes to the big leagues and pitches to a 2-2-A DRA in 23 and two-thirds frames. So, I mean, this guy can really throw. What impressed me the most with him was the the mid nineties fastball. Guess what his best pitch is? A changeup. But the changeup is is kind of sorcery changeup. Like it is gross. So that gives him a reliever floor, 
with the mid nineties fastball and the changeup, but he added a cutter and also has an average slider and a curve in, in the mix as well. And with all of those pitches, I think this guy can be a, a starter. I, I think like, I think this guy could legitimately be better than Plesak if he's healthy. And I do wonder, you know, if they do trade eventually from that, that starting pitching surplus, we've kind of been trying to trade Plesak for like years now. Um, but you know, if, 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 if he's the next guy that plugs in before, you know, one of the top prospects, I think Morris could do a really good job in the back end of that rotation, but I love him as this Swiss army knife for them spot start. He can, he has the ability to give you five, six shutout if he's on, uh, but in the bullpen, he can be a high leverage guy too with what he's got. And maybe they want to preserve his health a little bit after that shoulder injury. But all I know is Cody Morris is a big league arm and he's going to be a good one, whether it's it, whatever role they use him in is, you know, I trust, I defer to the guardians on that one, but he's a top 15 prospect in the system because he's a big league arm and a, and a darn good one. Yeah. Um, tell you what over the last couple of years with with the makeup and the ability um transitioning the way it has for zach plesak that's not a very high bar to clear for cody morris um but morris yeah my only pushback with cody morris is he just hasn't thrown like legitimate innings he hasn't gone deep into his start since pre-covid i mean he I, i think at the major league and minor league level combined he's got 100 innings under his belt uh post covid and yeah. and you know obviously like he's been dealing with injuries but it's not like um he threw 100 innings in 21 he didn't pitch at all in 22 it's he threw 60 innings in 21 he threw 40 in 22 so we okay. have not seen a workload that he's going to see in 23 um since actually maybe ever he threw yeah, 89 innings in 2019 no it's and that's very fair um i think it's the arsenal can accommodate being mm-hmm. a starter but can his body accommodate being a starter is, is the question. And the good news with Morris though, is he can be a darn good reliever and he could be a multi-inning reliever. He could be a piggyback guy. Uh, again, he can kind of be that Swiss army knife for them. And I'm interested to see how they handle him because to your point, he hasn't really been built up much because of that shoulder issue and some other issues in the past. Yeah. So here we go. Time for the top 10. And this is where it's fun because I, I've seen a lot of different iterations of this guardians top 10. And it's because, you know, a lot of these prospects are, it, you can kind of shuffle them in different ways, and we'll, we'll try to make the case as to, to why we shuffled certain players in certain range. Angel Martinez checks in at number 10, and he, he's shortstop, second baseman. Uh, he had a really good year last year overall with, with how young he is to reach that that double-A level, uh, to do what he did to high-A pitching as a switch hitter. In the past, his right-handed swing was was not there he really, you know, kind of was able to get that right-handed swing on par with his left-handed swing. Saw an, around a 300 OPS bump in his right-handed swing and looks really good from there. Uh, the hit tools there. I mean, this guy's 85% zone contact, good bat-to-ball skills. Uh, he's a good athlete. I think he's going to be able to stick up the middle. What surprised me was you look at him, there looks like there's more twitch. It looks like there's a, a good amount of bat speed there. I even watched him in the fall league, and I'm like, this guy should be putting up some decent exit velos. Exit Velo is left a little bit to be desired. Uh, you know, max exit Velo was, was pretty low. 90th percentile w- was was sub 100, which was surprising. The good news is he's he's long, lanky, has plenty of room to add to his frame, uh, and he can hit enough if, if the power doesn't come. But that was the one thing that kind of kept him from being higher because I was kind of excited about him, uh, maybe to push him a little bit higher, but just not enough impact there. Yeah, I mean, he's got – He's got space to fill out and he's got time to fill out, dude. I mean, he can't legally drink a beer until the end of this month. Like yeah, he yeah. the fact that he is this far along, and you mentioned he's twitchy, right? He is 
Um, he, he's got this athletic, athletic swing, almost hyper athletic. And the fact that he doesn't strike out with that athletic swing and way more to dream on makes him a top 10 prospect in this system. He's, he's bypassed Tana because of the ceiling that he has. Um, and he's closer to Brian Rocchio than we want to admit, I think. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and the glove is solid. I, I think he's better off at second base, but I think he can play second, short, third if you need him to. And then, so he's got that versatility as that switch hitter. Uh, the one thing that does also work in his favor, despite the the limited exit velos, is that he lifts the ball pretty well and he gets he gets good carry. So you look at the home run output, pretty solid. Good home run to fly ball rate. And that was something I saw in the fall league too. I know the ball carries there, but you could just kind of see the way he's able to backspin baseballs. So if he can see a tick up in those exit velos, there's 20 home run power here. And all of a sudden we could see this guy flying up. But last year, from where he started, you know, he wasn't one of the higher profile international free agents around 500K signing. Uh, he went into the year versus where he finished, probably the biggest riser in this Guardian system last year. And, uh, you know, well deserved with the kind of season he had. Yeah, I, I think he factors into their future plans. I, I don't think there's any doubt about it. And I think that what he just did in 2022 makes other guys expendable. Yep. This was really hard for me, though, um, you know, trying to compare him to Chase Tolotter, yeah. who comes in at number nine, right? Outfielder who was drafted 16th overall by the Guardians this past year. And uh, Delotter is is really, really difficult for me because when when I was doing my digging on him and, and watching some of the video and everything, you know, I, I didn't like him as a top five pick. And and I tried to, to make that case of like, hey, you know, I, I could eat crow on this, but, you know, when, when you're drafting in the top five, I, I can't draft a dude whose largest sample of a season He's is 34 cape. games in the Cape. Yeah. That said, if you're going to have your best stretch, uh, you know, or, or have your largest sample, which was a great stretch on the Cape, um, it's good that it was that sample, that those 34 games, right? Because he did struggle in an opening series against FSU uh, in that draft year. He did struggle the year before that in an opening series against UNC. Kind of dumb to micromanage that stuff, but if that's all we have against competition outside of what is it, the CAA? Is that the conference that James Madison? Yeah, University the Colonial. Plays? Yeah, like, like th- that. That's kind of what we got to look at, right? And unfortunately, we had to face like Parker Messick and some of those guys, and, and that's a nightmare. Uh, but when you got a 34 game Cape Cod sample size, it, you got a pretty good feeling that this guy can hit high level competition, and you know was probably pressing a little bit in that series where there was a million scouts there to, to see you know, the eventual highest draft pick in James Madison history. This guy's a monster, 6'4", 235 pounds, but also moves well. He's an above-average runner. I think some have even graded him out as plus. Uh, great approach, advanced hitter. That said, you know, does that approach translate against better stuff? It, it did on the Cape for what that's worth. I know Cape pitching is a little diminished too, which makes it a little bit scarier. Um, but, you know, overall, really good approach. The raw power is there. And, and my big concern with him, you know, when I saw him going, going bad against some, some higher-level velo, uh, some tougher competition, that lower half, right? He was a big drifter. Uh, it reminded me a lot of a young, a young Josh Lowe, drifting, bat-dragging, just, just kind of getting overmatched a little bit by that stuff. But, you know, then we saw also times where, where he had control of his body a little bit more. And, and it's easy for him to get to his power. He's got good bat-to-ball skills for his size. And, I mean, this dude slash 402. 520, 715 in his collegiate career. I don't care what level that's at. That's impressive. Um, if he can iron out that low and lower half, which most you know good hitters do, and most big guys have that issue early in their career, 
Um, I like the pick at 16. And and I think this guy's got monster upside and he's in the right organization to kind of get things going and, and iron out some of those you know small little issues with his body and his swing. Yeah, I mean, he's he's the biggest wild card of a college pick that we've seen in recent memory because we, we know absolutely nothing about him. And I, I find it really interesting that, we, that maybe the two biggest wild card selections of college picks came this year. Reggie Crawford to San Francisco. <laughs> you know, what do we know about Reggie Crawford? I have no idea. Just know that he's a freak show. And then DeLauder, what do we know about him? He's got 66 games of college baseball under his belt in three years. Um, now... That's the con. The pro is in those 66 games, he slashed 402, 527, 15. Yeah. So the numbers are insane. Even with down series against Florida State and Carolina, you factor in those 34 games on the Cape. Since high school, we have 100 games to work with exactly. And against Cape League pitching and CAA pitching, we have seen a 368, 482, 674 slash line with 29 stolen bases. And more walks and strikeouts. He could be elite, but we also know nothing about him. Yeah, He's also playing all three outfield spots. Guy has a shot to stick in center. And, I mean, when when you have that factoring in, too, this was a guy that was in 1-1 consideration. And and if he doesn't break his foot or or whatever the the foot injury was in that draft year, uh, he's probably going earlier. And at 16, I, I like the pick, right? You have a great farm system. You have a lot of good players. You, you Swing for the them. fences. <laughs> Swing for the fences at 16. So that could end up being one of the biggest deals, right? And and, and DeLauder, you know, there's there's like that little bit of Kyle Tucker in there, um, bigger, obviously, uh, yeah. but with that athleticism and everything and a big arm in the corner. Like when I was putting the tools down, I'm like, how is this guy ninth? Like, but but I have to. I can't put him ahead to some of the other guys. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's where I'm at there. We'll go to number eight. Yeah. And this is a guy that you might push back on me on, but you know, I'm going to make my case here. So number eight, Logan Allen, and Logan Allen, you know, definitely hit a wall a bit in AAA. Left-handed pitcher who, you know, FIU, two-way guy. Just destroyed that league. I loved him on the Cape. I, I liked his swing as a hitter, too. Like, just a really good athlete. Fits the bill, right? Um, fastball's solid. Slider's good. He mixed in a cutter, which was kind of a problem for him last year, and I'm going to talk about that. Changeup is plus. Fits the bill again. And the command is good. Um, he's a polished lefty, man. And, and when, when I see a polished lefty who I'm willing to, to kind of bet on having – you know, a really good chance to be a back end of the rotation starter. It's hard to bet against those guys, right? And and it's hard to put that guy outside of the top 10. Sure, yeah, there's way more upside from somebody like DeLauder, but Logan Allen could be into their rotation next year or this coming season. And, you know, and he could be pretty darn good. That changeup is, is, is a problem. And that's kind of what sold me, man, is it's a split change that just dives off the table. Opponents last year hit 188. 239, 317 against that splitter, which also, you know, worked off of the fastball well. He has this little twist that hides the ball well, which allows him to play up a little bit with his stuff. The slider was a good pitch for him, too. Opponents had a 560 OPS against that. And that was like just, just another one that was really solid for him. The cutter that he tried to mix in here was the problem. Jack, guess what the OPS was against his cutter? Um, I assume really high. I assume 900? 1211. Oh my gosh. Components <laughs> were 19 for 51 
with five homers, five doubles, and a triple. Don't throw so, that anymore, Mr. Allen. That's the thing. So I'm just looking at that, and I'm like, okay, there's a pitch he tried to, to add in there. And it was good in spots. Like, when he was able to, to locate it, it was it was a good, you know, strike inducer to righties, you know, weak contact inducer. But he's just throwing it too much, and also it's just, you know, leaving it over the middle too much. And that's what kind of got punished more in AAA. Yeah. And I mean, we're talking about a guy that gave up 17 home runs last year and the pitch that he threw 14% of the time accounted for a third of those home runs. Yeah. So that's a very easy fix there. Right. And we're talking about the fastball that that played well uh, overall. It could have played a little bit better. A splitter that was disgusting and a slider that was disgusting with good command. I'm just willing to bet that this guy bounces back from the AAA struggles. Yeah, I think so, too. And I'm not going to push back on you because I saw Logan Allen's worst stretch of his college or pro career in AAA. And I, I saw him in high A. I saw how freaking good he was in 2021 in high A. He had a one five ERA in nine starts. This guy has been so good at each stop except AAA. And the big number that I want to point you to is the walk number, right? Like he was, I mean right around 2k or two uh, walks per nine at every single stop. I mean, I'm talking, I'm talking FIU. I'm talking the Cape. I'm talking high a double. And then he gets to triple and that balloons to four and a half walks per nine. So if he trusts his stuff, Yep, that's exactly he, the phrase I was going to use. <laughs> he's good enough to survive, man. I mean, yeah. even then in AAA, he was 11 K's per nine. Trust it, throw it in the strike zone more. And that, that's a guy that, you know, he gets to the big league level, you know, okay, that tapers down to nine and nine and a half, right? And he doesn't walk guys. He's, he's going to be a good pitcher. That's the thing. Pitcher. Like, I, I'm just worried that if he's nibbling in AAA, he's going to nibble even more in the bigs. And that's why I want to see him succeed in AAA before he gets that chance in the bigs. So there's, there's what I like is there's two ways that, that he, he, or actually three ways where he can kind of, you know, get to that next level. One is, Velo taking up another notch, which is very possible because I love his mechanics and I love his athleticism. And he's low 90s, but good shape and, and, and good deception working off of that splitter. If that doesn't happen, figure it gets the cutter a little bit better and, and uses that pitch as, as a good fourth weapon and it becomes at least average. Or, and this is the worst case of the best case scenario, just eliminate the damn cutter. Yeah. And and just and just gain more confidence in that, you know, throwing the change up. It's a splitter. So you can throw it to righties. You can throw it to lefties. You can throw it to everybody. Um, so I mean that's that's a pitch that's gonna be able to get everybody out because the bottom drops off it. So there's a few different ways where he can kind of take that next step. And triple A is a big jump for pitchers, not as much for hitters, you know, because the zone gets tighter and and I think a lot of guys, you know, kind of get more comfortable there. But I I really, I really think he's gonna bounce back in a big way this year. Cool. Well, here's your favorite guy. I know you're not going to push back on this one. And um, I, I got some feedback from um, Guardian's perspective, uh, an account I love to interact with on Twitter. They do a great job covering, um, you know, covering the Guardian system. And um, actually, he replied to me and said he was just getting over some kidney stones and apologized for the delay of getting back on the on the uh, prospect write ups. Please don't feel bad about that. Oh, That's yeah, brutal. Yeah, Get better. I wish I, I knew your actual name. It's funny how you know you, you interact with people on social media and. You realize, wait, I don't, I don't know your real name. We uh, didn't but, know uh, Codify's name until he hopped on the Zoom. Yeah, he's like, hey, we're having Codify on. And it's like, yeah. oh, it's Michael. Hey, what's Fitzgerald. up, Codify? Um, <laughs> who we need to have back on the JB show, by the I'm way. In. I'm in. Um, but you know, he, he mentioned, you know, 25 years old. I, I think Brennan might be a little high there, and totally respect and appreciate that that feedback. And what, the reason why I'm bringing up that feedback is 
he's probably not alone in that thought. So I just want to make my case here for, you know, why, why I have him at seven and, you know, why I think he should be in this position and why I think he's a, a pretty good prospect. Uh, so Brennan, and, and you'll fill in the blanks because you saw this guy a lot and you kind of put me on to Will Brennan in a lot of ways. What he did last year was a joke. Um, I'll start with that. I mean, 60 extra base hits is comical. Um, he was an absolute machine. But what, what, what he also brings to the table is, is Quan-esque, maybe not as as freaky of an athlete, but he also hits the ball harder. Um, I, I see a guy that just figured it out, you know, and figuring it out is relative. I'm not saying he figured it out. And now he's Barry Bonds. He figured out what's going to work for him. He figured out how to add a little bit more power while also staying in his back hip, right? There's a big a bit of a leg kick here, but he repeats his moves so, so well, similar to what we were talking about with, with Justin Foscue with the Rangers, right? This guy added a little bit of movement, but it was movement that that actually was easier for him to control and almost simplified things for him. So Brennan has that leg kick, but he stays in his back hip so well. And I watched this guy turn around some impossible pitches up and in, down and away, whatever it is. And, and it was more the inside pitches because he's fringy with the power. We know that um, a little bit more, I think at least has a chance at average power, but when it's middle in or inside, he can hit the ball hard. He's got some juice there. And the way that he's able to turn those pitches around, how freaky he can be with his hands in there, um, that shows me a guy that's going to be able to, to hit for some power middle in. And he's going to be able to spray the ball the other way when pitches are on the outer half. And uh, you can fill in everything else, man. He's a good defender. He can run a little bit too. Uh, we, we, he's just a ball player, uh, which you know I, I hate saying, but like he's a ball player. And I know you really enjoyed watching him play this year. Yeah, so for for the people that think he's too low on this list, I ask you, if you knew that Stephen Kwan had a chance to put together a Stephen Kwan season going into the 2022 season, where would he be on the Guardians' top 10? Yeah. Right? What did he finish, second in AL Rookie of the Year voting? Yeah, we had him in the top 100. I was told we had him a little too high, too, which, again, I understand. (laughs) I, I understand. Okay, but when that's the possibility, you have to acknowledge that. And, and you have to acknowledge that the possibility for Will Brennan this coming season is Stephen Kwan, top three in AL Rookie of the Year voting. Yeah, Will not, Brennan not quite as elite with the glove, but could hit the ball harder. Don't care. 40 doubles was tied for second in all of minor league baseball. I mean, if you are lacing that many doubles and you do not swing and miss – um, Quan is like, obviously, you know, breaking the scale, but if Quan is the hundredth percentile in zone contact, Brennan is close to 99th percentile in zone contact. And the fact that he has enough impact to be a threat, like he's not Nick Madrigal. No. He is, he's got more impact than hell. He's got more impact than Quan. I think that this guy can hit 10, maybe 15. I think, I, no, I think easily. I mean, you can, I can, I think you can hit 15 easily. 102.4 mile per hour, 90th percentile exit velo. And, and again, pull side, like he can do it. And they're, they're going to try to beat him in. Like you don't try a guy that can, can spray the ball all over. You're not going to work him away. Cause he will take those base hits all day. They're going to try to beat him in. They might beat him in from time to time. He's going to turn some around for for home runs. So he's going to get his. He's going to get his. Brief cameo, 11 games. The guy hit 357 in in the major leagues. They threw him in the postseason. He didn't do well in the postseason, but like he he faced Garrett Cole. (laughs) Like they put a lot of trust in this kid. And and if the Guardians are putting that level of trust in him, you know, I I think it speaks to to what he's capable of. I'm going to give you batting average and OPS at every stop. Cool. Um, since COVID, so 2019 at Kansas State, he hit 292 with a with a 780 
OPS. Um, then he goes to rookie ball in 2019, uh, 306 with an 820 OPS. He struggled in 26 games in short season ball, 215 uh, with a 590 OPS. But then COVID hits. 2021, you come back. 62 games in high A. Hit 290 with an 809 OPS. Then he goes to double for 40 games. 280 with a 730 OPS. This year, he opens in double. 36 games, hit 311 with an 890 OPS. He goes to Columbus, the AAA level. In 93 games, he hits 316 with an 840 OPS. And then in 11 games at the major league level, he hit 357 with a 900 OPS. This guy has hit at every single stop in the last two years, and I do not want to hear that he is too high on this list because he's got the chance to put together a Quan-esque season, and that's all I need. Sometimes you don't have to overthink it, right? No, um, the guy just gets hits. And the age thing, dude, the the age thing, I get it. Um, it it drives me a little nuts, especially in this world where we had a season fully lost. So I've Brendan at 25 years old. He's technically 24 in you know, 11 months. So if he, if he was 23, you know, let's let's go a year backwards, turning 24 going into this year now, you know, now he's great prospects. Yeah, he's a year younger. Like he lost the year because of COVID if it weren't for, and I know a lot of people did, right? But with Brennan, he was steadily hitting. If it weren't for COVID, the COVID canceled season. He's in the he would have been in the bigs last year. And if we're if we're talking about a guy that's a year younger, twenty three going on twenty four, now he's young. Like I understand he's a year older, but I think people put too much stock in the age thing uh, in a world where a lot of really good college prospects are coming up and figuring it out later. And I think we got to look at it case by case. Of course, if I'm comparing him to an eighteen year old who's a carbon copy of him somehow, then yeah. I'll defer to the 18, 20, even 21, 22-year-old. But there's no carbon copies of Will Brennan in this system. Uh, Quan is the closest thing, and, and, and you know he's in the big leagues, and that's why Brennan is where he is. And, and I'm a big fan of, of what he did last year, and I know you are too because I got more texts about Will Brennan than I did anybody else from you this past season. It's because the guy's awesome. Brian Rocchio checks in at number six. And, you know, Rocchio – this is one of those where it was like disappointing season for, for him um, because we expect so much of him and everybody expects so much of him, but he was no slouch last year. He is a phenomenal defensive shortstop. They call him like kind of baby Lindor with you know, the way he is a switch hitter. You know, they were hoping for more pop. I think there's average power in there. Obviously he's never going to be Francisco Lindor, uh, but he has that that kind of moxie. He, he's a switch hitter. He's a great defender. He's got the instincts, the work ethic, all of those things he can run. Um, I still think that this guy's gonna gonna turn into a really solid shortstop. And uh, you know, I don't know what what their long term plan is at that position, but I, I still believe that Rokio has a really good shot at being their their franchise guy at some point up the middle. Uh, again, they've got some other things to sort out, and that's a whole another episode. It's a good problem to have. But if Rokio is picking it with the best of them, switch hitter with good speed. And he's able to mix in 15 to, to 20 home runs. I think he's going to be closer to the 15 range, 10 to 15 range, and, and hits for average. <laughs> that, that could be a four, four win guy and four and a half win guy, depending on how elite the defense is. So he's got a chance to be a, a, a very, very good impact shortstop. But, you know, I think the, the struggles last year, a little bit of the tempered ceiling offensively kind of holds him out of the top five. And it's less about him and more about everybody else that's in the top five. Yes, a hundred percent. Brian Rocchio, a, a Tiburones de la Gallera with Ronald Acuna, 
Eddie Adrianzo, my favorite player in baseball, Franklin Barreto, Alcides Escobar, Yolmer Sanchez, and Juan Yepes this year. So that's a fun little winter league team. I I'm love sure he's one in a bet. Yeah. Um, all right. So, yeah, Rokio is like, you know, he's the guy, what, his pipeline write-up is like nicknamed the professor for his high baseball IQ, right? Like. <laughs> Um, I mean, that's just that's so corny, but OK, there's some obviously there's some validity there. Um, the professor is obviously a very good defensive shortstop. He can be a very good defensive shortstop. Um, IQ can take you a really long way. You mentioned down year. Uh, I mean, this guy he, like batting average up 20 points. OPS dropped about 50 points down year. I guess we were expecting a drastic jump. Right. And we just didn't necessarily get one. So that's that's the big difference here. Yeah, he reached and he reached triple A as a young 21 year old. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. He still hit 18 pumps. Exactly, dude. I like like we have to adjust the way we look at down years for Guardians prospects because we're we're going to talk about. Yeah, no, just say it's the classic pitting them against themselves. Exactly. Like, that's what we just did with Gabriel Arias, right? Yeah. That's what we're going to do with George Valera. Um, and, and we're doing this with Roquillo. It's it's exactly what people fucking did with Jason Dominguez, right? Yeah. 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 So. And, and we got to hold ourselves accountable with that. What, what I like about Roquillo is doesn't whiff, right? We're talking about like 80, 84, 85% zone contact. Already a good approach, which, you know, is, is, is a big reason why I think they've thrusted him up. Exit velos are a bit low, but he lifts, you know, pretty well. Um, ground ball rate kind of went up a little bit last year, but he does a good job of getting into that pole side pop and lifting the ball a little bit more there. I, I think he's going to put it all together. I really do. Swings pretty balanced from both sides. I like it a little better from the right side, which is a little bit of a, you know, a, a yellow flag, but I think he's going to get both swings right. And again, when you, when you've got that, that balance game across the board, he just seems like that really, really solid shortstop. And it, it is not far off from like an Andres Jimenez, right? Like there, there's a lot of similarities there. Um, and Jimenez was a guy that we everyone kind of pitted against himself, right? Kind of gave up on him, didn't think that he'd have the ability to be as impactful as he was this past season. And now we're talking about, you know, one of the better young infielders in the, in the American League. So yeah, I, I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if he kind of had on a similar trajectory. Yeah, 100%. Next is one of my favorite guys, man. Uh, friend of the show. We'll have him back on, or we might even bring him on the Just Baseball show instead next time since he already came on uh, the call-up, and, and he was awesome. I got to do a live pitching breakdown with him because my internet was so bad last time. But Tanner Bybee, man, what a year for Tanner Bybee. Uh, it was a fifth-round pick in 2021 out of Cal State Fullerton. Strike thrower who really saw the stuff tick up. And I, if you are just finding us, you know, because you searched Guardians on on whatever uh, and, and wanted to hear about the Guardians farm system, please listen to this interview with Tanner Bybee. Thoughtful, smart dude, really cool story. I'm just a huge Tanner Bybee fan. But in terms of Tanner Bybee, the pitcher, fastball ticked up and is, is good. Uh, the slider, above average. Changeup, above average. Curveball, average. Command, near plus. That's a damn good pitcher. And I think he's got a chance to get up there at some point this year if they need him. Um, he just is so high floor to me. But at the same time, like he could be a solid three if he yeah. continues on this trajectory. The changeup was a problem for hitters last year. And I mean, again, I mean, every single pitch was a, a negative run value, meaning, you know, it was he was taking runs off the board statistically with all of his pitches. He literally 
was effective with every single offering, which is which is remarkable. Dude, I mean, two six ERA in high A in fifty nine innings. He goes to double A seventy three innings, a one eight ERA. And, and I'm just gonna walk you through these numbers and like, hey, Cy Young voters, listen to these numbers and tell me that they're not gonna finish very high on your list, right? Uh, twenty five starts, one hundred and thirty two innings. He was eight and two with a two one seven ERA, eleven and a half Ks per nine, under two walks per nine, under seven hits per nine, and a sub one whip. Like, I mean, he was in the conversation for minor league Cy Young, right, Tanner Bybee? So I he was so good at both stops. And, And I just think it's it's so interesting how the stuff ticked up after Fullerton. Like you look at his ERA at Fullerton, 54 appearances, 40 of which starts. He had a 3.8 ERA. This year he had a 2.1 ERA. He was averaging 89, 89.7 miles per hour uh, at Fullerton on the fastball. This past year averaged 95.3. There we go. Talking to him about it, how much of it was just cleaning up his, his mechanics also just cleaning up his his diet and and his recovery and and all of those things he put so much into recovery and and preservation of his body and just all of the things that he was able to learn by being a part of this organization so many talented arms around him and again i i really really will plug that interview and it's it's in it's in the write up you can literally see it right here too Perfect. if you want to go check that up but I, i'm i'm a big big fan of his as a person and as a pitcher so before we move on to the next guy 32.4% K rate, 5% walk rate this past year. Jack, I'm going to take you through the opponent OPS on each of his pitches. Fastball, opponent OPS, 755. That's okay. very solid because it's, good. it's fastball. Slider, 424. <laughs> Changeup, 426. Jeez. Curveball, 547. And this was against good competition, man. Okay. Uh, he He is somebody that I'd bet a lot of money on being a pretty good big league starter. And I, I I think he's got a good shot to be a very good big league starter. Big name to watch could fly up the prospect rankings, Brandon Fott style uh, this coming season. Diet's important. Um, really, really important for all you young athletes listening. Less Arby's, more acai. Final note. <laughs> Less Arby's, more acai. Yeah, dude, I mean, I, 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 I think about it a lot because now in my shoulder, my hip, everything, I'm like, it, if I just took care of my body a little bit better. Maybe I'd feel better now. Like when you're playing baseball, a lot of strain on the body, a lot of strain on the body. You're playing every day, eat well, preserve your body. You'll thank yourself. And I mean, I'm 25 and and my body hurts all the time now because of how lazy I was with that stuff. So um, always eye opening to talk to the guys who succeed at preserving their body and are already freak athletes. And a perfect example of that is Kyle Schwarber, right? Schwarber has turned himself into a tank. Like he used to be a a chunk meister when he first came up with the Cubs. And then all of a sudden he said, I I overhauled my diet and I feel so much better. And he got much better at baseball. I still need to overhaul my diet, man. All right. I'm trying right now. We will go to George Valera now, who another guy, you alluded to it, Jack, pitting him against himself a little bit, right? Like he reached AAA as a 21-year-old. Yeah. And by WRC plus was above average. 103 WRC plus. That said, for whatever reason, you know, some people are 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 cooling on him a little bit. He's a polarizing prospect. And and, and I say for whatever reason, I can understand it, right? 
struck out 25% of the time last year, has one of the more unique swings you're going to see, an incredibly dramatic barrel tip uh, to get into his load. Super stacked on his backside, though, which I like because uh, he's pretty much ready to hit. That Those hands are more of a timing mechanism for him, and he doesn't seem to have too much issue timing it up. He is extremely patient. He walks a ton. And look, he's always going to strike out because he, he likes to go deep into counts and he likes to take big hacks. But you look at his career, he has pretty much kept the strikeouts in check for the most part, kept it in that 25% range. Whenever it goes up, he seems to get it right back down a little bit, hedges it with the walks, hedges it with power. The reason why Valera is at four, though, is a lot of pressure on the bat, right? I mean, he's not going to give you much value elsewhere. He's not going to steal bags. His defense is, is iffy. I think you're, you're hoping he's an average defender in a corner. Um, so you're hoping he's going to be a, a, a slugger who walks a lot and, and runs into 25 to 30 homers, which he's got a great chance to do it. But it's a lot of pressure on the bat when we're talking about prospects. Yeah. And, you know, like it just it feels like he strikes out a lot. And, and you know, high 20s K rate is not bad for a slugger, um, but high 20s K rate is is bad in terms of the Guardian system. And mm-hmm. Again, he is a trend breaker. You have to look at him much differently than you do a lot of other Guardians prospects. Um, But the swing is just so complex. Like there's so much traffic in there and so many things that can get thrown out of whack. Obviously, it doesn't get thrown out of whack often. Uh, He had, what, 25 pumps this year across double and triple A, 24? 24, 24. Yeah, 24 pumps. Um, I mean, he's, again, he's 21 years old and he had 24 pumps in double and triple A. Like that is incredible and this guy can absolutely with how vicious the swing is and how advanced his approach is um he could absolutely be a 30 to 35 homer guy if he if he does tap into his ceiling he's got immense immense power but the question is will the complexities of the swing result in more swing and miss against better pitches and that's my big worry yeah i mean and and that's why i'm glad that Body wise, like he's he sets himself up to be as simple as possible with how stacked he is on the backside. Yeah. But with the barrel tip, it is wild. That said, his hands are so freaky that he's able to get to pitchers. I'm curious to see. But the the thing is, too, is he knows himself pretty well. I think he knows what pitches he can and can't get to as as effectively. And that's why he has one of the best chase rates you're going to find in the org. I mean, his walk rates are crazy. His chase rates are crazy. Yeah. 19% chase rate is is incredible. That's why he walks so much. And if he's a guy that's a 220 hitter, but you just mentioned Kyle Schwarber, by the way, like he doesn't have as much raw power as Schwarber, but that, that kind of mold of, look, I know I'm not going to hit for a ton of average, but I'm rarely going to miss a mistake. I'm going to take whatever walks you give me. I'm rarely going to chase. And I'm going to punish whatever you leave, you know, over the middle, or I'm going to sell out for certain pitches. And when I catch them, I'm going to get my home runs. So if he hits 230, but gets on base at a 350 clip and slugs, you know, what we think he can slug, uh, which could be in the high fours or or even 500, like you got a really good chance that to have an above average left-handed bat in the outfield here. And uh, again, he's young, so he can continue to get better and better. He could spend the entire year in AAA next year, and he's still ahead of his timeline. So Valera is extremely exciting. Definitely, you know, has has some of those concerns and a lot of pressure on the bat. But, you know, I think he hedges a lot of risk with with how advanced and patient he is of a hitter. And building on what you mentioned, right, if he hits 220, like he had 42 games in AAA this year. He hit 221, and he's still at a 103 WRC+. Yeah, and you know he's going to get better than that. So. Yeah. 
the the glove. I hope that gets better. Um, but I I get the feeling that George Valera likes to mash and nothing else. Yeah. And if you look at some of his bat flips, he's he's a he's a one of the top five bat flip guys in in the minor leagues. I he's like whole whole oppo bat flip. It's it's pretty sick, honestly. <laughs> he's got some some really cool ones on his resume. Yeah. Um, number three guy that I know you are a fan of, bone nailer, catcher, Cleveland Guardians. And I realize I got to update the level instead of just having Cleveland Guardians there. But bone nailer, what a year that this guy had. And we've talked about him in the past, so we don't have to rehash as much of, of the swing adjustments that he made. I, I really detail that, you know, in the write-up. But but what he did at the upper levels last year, you know, the strides that he made as a catcher, the strides that he made as a hitter after a pretty disastrous season the year before, to hit for more average and power consistently. Uh, this guy overhauled every aspect of his game, really. And, uh, you know, w- what I really want to just talk about real quick on the hitting side is he was able to add a more pronounced leg kick and actually be more consistent, kind of kind of similar to what we were talking about earlier, where – He's able to gather into his backside and just rely on his athleticism. This is you can speak to this, I know, and I'm excited to hear from you on this. Probably one of the more athletic catchers you're going to find in the minor leagues, and he finally leveraged that in the box where it was like he couldn't find the moves that he could repeat, and he was drifting, he was kind of struggling, he was he was tinkering. He adds this leg kick, but is able to stay in his back hip, uses that athleticism to repeat that leg kick, repeat those moves. Now he adds more power. Now he's lifting. Now he's more consistent. And this guy's a freak now. I mean, he's a freak offensively. He does everything really well. He saw a jump in his 90th percentile exit velo. He saw a dip in his you know ground ball rate. He saw a jump in his zone contact rate. Like it, That is everything you want to see from a hitter who had a breakout season. Sustainable metrics that point towards this being a legitimate trend for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Uh, by physique, if you line teams up more often than not, you can point out the catchers, right? The catchers are are built like catchers. I mean, shit, you line up the Toronto Blue Jays, you're pointing to Alejandro Kirk, right? Um, but yeah. I mean, you 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 line up the St. Louis Cardinals right now or you line up the Cubs in years prior, like you're going to point to Wilson Contreras. You're going to point to Yasmati Grandal, the guys that you do not point to. If you lined up the Philadelphia Phillies, you're not pointing to JT Realmuto. He doesn't look like a catcher. He looks like an athlete that just happens to catch. If you line up the Arizona Diamondbacks right now, you're not pointing to Gabby Moreno. Moreno does not look like a catcher. And if you line up the Cleveland Guardians this year, you're not pointing to Bo Naylor. You're pointing to Zanino, but you're not pointing to Bo Naylor. Bo Naylor looks like an outfielder that just happens to be a really good catcher. Um, And that helps him, I think, a lot with his swing. And you can speak to uh, how he gets closed. I find it so impressive with how open the stance is that he always gets closed. He's an athlete. He found what works for him. And I think it was a thought thing, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. It was, it was, it was something that he, he was like, okay, how can I get myself to stay in my back hip consistently and starting open, getting into that back hip with the, with the leg kick and staying there really worked for him. And when you see an adjustment in his setup, in his load and in his swing, and then you see, a 2.5 mile per hour jump in 90th percentile exit velo and an 8% jump in zone contact, more power, <clears throat> more contact. Sign me up for that. And then also guess what, Jack, even lower chase rates than George Valera. Um, this guy can play. 
he's athletic enough to steal bases. He's powerful enough to hit home runs and he's advanced enough now as a hitter to walk and, and hit for a decent average. I, I don't know why. I don't know why he's not more highly regarded. I think he's getting there, but I mean, it, it should be pretty clear across baseball that he's a top 50 prospect. And, I, and I'm surprised that he's not more widely considered that he's a rookie of the year. Dark horse, right? I think so. If he gets enough play. That Absolutely. that's my thing. Like signing Zanino, I feel like might take it bats away from him to diminish his rookie of the year candidacy. But I think Bo Naylor is going to be like the starting catcher, and Zanino will get Naylor off his knees. And if he hits enough, though, they'll, they'll keep him in the lineup, man. And Correct. I think they could. I think Correct. they could. Um, final two guys, two pitchers, and you know, putting Daniel Espino at two is wild. Um, right-handed pitcher. 22, who has had one of the more remarkable minor league careers I can remember thus far, given that he has struck out, I believe it's it's 40% of hitters since he since he started pitching uh, professionally out of high school. And the thing with him is, and really it was, it took a ridiculous year from Gavin Williams and a year where he doesn't pitch and he's fully injured. Um, and that's really the only thing it took for for him to slightly be behind Gavin Williams. We're talking about a guy that went healthy, it's a plus-plus fastball. It's a plus-plus slider. It's an above-average changeup, and it's a curveball that has a chance to be above-average and, and pretty decent command. This guy could be a bona fide ace. But before I, I, I kick it over to you, knee injury. That was the initial report after you know he only makes four starts in double-A, which, by the way, he carves, of course. Knee injury. We don't see him for months, 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 months. Then throwing program. Then we don't hear anything else for a while. This shoulder soreness or, or fatigue or whatever it is. And then he doesn't pitch for the rest of the year. Overly precautious, sure. But when a pitcher has a shoulder issue and does not and misses several months, their risk compounds dramatically, right? That that's that's really what it is at this point, right? We're ranking prospects based on their ceiling and their likelihood of hitting their ceiling. Espino's ceiling higher than Gavin Williams, but not higher enough to ignore the fact that he missed an entire season last year. I know he didn't get surgery as far as we know, but he missed an entire season because of shoulder and knee issues. Um, He could come back and be just fine. Very possible. But that means that he, you know, kind of transcends that risk, but you got to acknowledge the risk and and also you got to acknowledge how good Gavin Williams is. That said, Espino is still one of my favorite pitching prospects in baseball and I and I really really hope he's he's good to go next year. Yeah, I mean, dude, <laughs> 21 years old. Start, by the way, happy birthday, Daniel Espino, January 5th. Happy 22nd birthday. Oh, no way. You know, yep. Um so happy birthday, Daniel Espino. Four starts, 18 and a third innings, 35 punchouts, four walks in 2022 before he went down with the knee slash shoulder thing. Um, when he's on the mound, he's as good as they come. Like he is, it's, it's painter G rod, Yuri Perez. And then it's a, yeah, I think so too. I mean, fastball's uh-huh. up to one Oh one or 99 to 100 sits 96, 98 with life. He's just not on the mound right now. Yeah. And like, we don't know what he's going to look like when he's, 
back on the mound. So it, yeah. that's the thing. Like it is the biggest question mark that drops him from one to two, because if he did throw the entirety of this 2022 season, you know, obviously he's the clear cut number one prospect in the organization. He's a, probably a top 10 prospect in baseball. I was ready to do it, man. I was ready to do it. And honestly, his fastball is probably to him and Yuri are the two guys that have the best shot at like an 80 grade fastball. And if yeah. Espino is healthy, because Espino is not only upper 90s, it's 21 inches of induced. So those are that's 80 grade if he's healthy back and doing it. Um, and and I mean, that's why I, I'm really excited because, like you said, he's in that same conversation with those other guys. And that's crazy to have as your number two prospect in the system. We'll go to number one. Um, because and, and I want it's it's again it's more of a celebration of Gavin Williams and an indictment on Espino and, and trust me if Espino comes out and he's healthy I'll flip flop this in two seconds but here's the reality and this is what really ended up doing it for me if I am trading with the Guardians right and the Guardians are calling me on on one of my best players and I have a choice they said you know for the for the headliner of the package pick Daniel Espino or Gavin Williams. Because of the risk, I mean, obviously, if I had more details given to me and everything, but but from what I know, I think I'd have to go Gavin Williams because he's healthy, through a yeah. full year, and and he's really damn good too. He's and, really and, good, and it's about the injury risk, right? And and when I realize, okay, I'm taking Gavin Williams in that situation, then I I got to put my money where my mouth is and put Gavin Williams number one. And again, it's more of it's more of just attesting to the greatness of what we saw from Gavin Williams last year. So without further ado, here's number one, Gavin Williams, six foot six righty, 23rd overall pick in the 2021 draft, another 70 fastball with, with, with stupid VLO and shape, a curveball that's bordering on plus plus a slider that is above average and a changeup that already looks close to above average and pretty good command. He's six, six and throws strikes. <laughs> like this guy is really, really, really good. Jack, you can speak to the numbers last year too. I, I think you have them up, but 95 to 97 miles an hour with 19 inches of induced vertical break is, is ridiculous. And how about the fact that he threw his fastball for a strike 70% of the time. So this guy was pounding the zone with a really good fastball sliders cutterish, but he located it really well. Opponents had an OPS of 369 against both of his breaking balls as well. Um, it, it's just ridiculous that his changeup is his fourth offering that also was, was difficult for hitters uh, at a lot of points last year. And he's six, six, like he's, he's a beast. Yeah. His high a cameo was road to the show on rookie mode. It was yeah. like, Hey, Gavin Williams, this is your first stop after you went 10 and one as a college pitcher at ECU as a junior. I mean, who the hell go or as a senior, who the hell goes 10 and one? In college, nobody goes 10 and one in college. Yeah, better as the year went on. Right. So, nine starts in high A. He had a 1 4 ERA and 67 punch outs in 45 innings. So, like, all right, too easy. Let's put you to double in, you know, your maiden season. Like, it was, it was probably the path that Jack Leiter should have taken. Yep. Um, where start in high A, dominate, build confidence, then go to double. Leiter just spent the whole year in double. Um, Williams goes to double and he had a two, three ERA and struck out 82 in 70 innings. Gavin Williams is cut from the painter and Yuri cloth where he's a really big dude. That's so mechanically sound yep. and gets closed right away and leads with the shoulder perfectly. You cannot poke a hole in his delivery to the plate. 
And when you say the fastball shape is great, if you watch like highlights of Gavin Williams, search any YouTube Gavin Williams highlights, you will see 99 on a freaking rope to the catcher's glove. He misses middle middle and, and it's a whiff. I mean, it is so, so good. Like it honestly looks like it's on a beeline out of his hand. I mean, that fastball shoots out of his fingertips like nothing I've seen before. You know what opponents OPS against his fastball last year? Low. 592. No way. That's Let's not the fair. Thing. Let's not do the fair. thing where I'll do the pitches thing again. Fastball, 592. Slider, 361. Curveball, 384. Changeup, 556. You're telling me that nobody hits anything. No, all pitches combined. 172, 258, 269 slash line. That's good for a 527 OPS, 33% K rate. He punched out 149 hitters and walked 40. And can we acknowledge he faced, what, 450 batters this year? Yeah. He allowed nine homers. Yep. It's nothing. And, and, and 20 total extra base hits. With a high spin four seamer, limiting extra base hits is is unicorn ask. In the strike zone, seventy percent of the time, like this guy is is going to be a force, force, and I, like that's why, right? Like if Daniel Espino, Daniel Espino's ceiling is somehow higher, um, given what like what he is capable of. Um, it's you know kind of like Strider esque with the fastball slider, and then he has the other pitches already. But Gavin Williams is a heck of a pitcher. He's his floor is high. He's healthy. He's a bulldog, and and I'm really excited to see what he's going to do this year. This is another guy that like would it surprise you if he reaches the big league some at some point this coming year if they need him? I was going to say, assuming health, give me a date for his major league debut. How many innings was it in double again? Seventy. I think we could see him in in, in June. I say I I was going to say June fifteen. Yeah, I think we could see him in mid June because he's going to do the same thing. <laughs> like he's going to do the same thing in double and triple. If he does his, I honestly like I don't know. Let me let me pull up roster resource. Let me see what they they got here because again they have a log jam. But if you, if you're this good, nobody should be in your way except Bieber and McKenzie, right? I don't know because you got a shot where your rotation could be. One through five, all guys that are capable of giving you a frontline performance. All right, if you eliminate Zach, Zach. <laughs> I mean, dude, like the big league rotation is actually not that good. You got no, B- you, I think he's going to get up there. Quantro, but then I mean, you got Savali and Plesak. Yeah, no, I, I think he's going to he's going to spell one of them very soon. I think so. And Tuki Tucson, non roster invitee Tuki Tucson. Don't forget about him. He's going to. They're going to. They're going to cure him. They're going to cure him. Um. Well, that'll do it for this system. Uh, this was a lot of fun. I also, I saw people really enjoyed the redraft. We'll do that with 2020 soon, too. Yeah. Um, any final thoughts, Jack, before we call it an episode here? Again, link is in the description to check out the full full episode, everything you need to, to see there. Also linked the Tanner Bybee interview in the description as well. Anything else, Jack? I'm really proud of us for doing this in an hour 15. Yeah. Really yeah, proud. Us to Guardians. If we do this tempo with other wargs, I think we could do sub sub one hour. I, I think so. Uh, favorite system in baseball, deepest system in baseball, and for my money, the best system in baseball. It's it's right there, man, and it's definitely the deepest. That all that is is indisputable. So we'll continue to hammer out these farm systems throughout the off season. Really excited to continue to do that. Be sure to subscribe to the call. Leave us a rating if you can. Help us grow the show and let us know how we're doing. Thank you so much as always for listening. Look forward to talking prospects with you again next week. 
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.